I agree wholeheartedly that positivity and not necessarily even positivity, right, but just being connected with other people and remaining hopeful, whether it's a, a big thing or a small thing, that's just so important right now. Sometimes it can feel like you're just sending out your resume with no luck. So how do you keep your job search moving forward? Hi, I'm Diana Burnell O'Leary. Welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Today, we're going to talk about ways to really target your job search. A few thoughts for job seekers with ADHD. Plus, we'll imagine LinkedIn as a drinking game. Let's jump in. Today, we're talking with Lex Brown. She's a Chicago-based artist, podcast co-host. Lex, welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Hi, Diana. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. And I'm really fascinated by your degree that you received a few years ago, your graduate degree. So I do want to start there. You have an MA in cultural anthropology. Tell us a little bit about your thought process for this when you were applying for this degree and what you were hoping to get out of it. I uh, was in my junior year of college as an international studies and political science major. And I was trying to decide if I wanted to go towards nonprofit work or diplomacy or further research, and I was feeling a little lost. And then I took a cultural anthropology class and loved it. So I started working with that professor one-on-one and took some more classes and did some independent studies in biological anthropology and archaeology. And he helped me apply, and I ended up getting offered a teaching assistant position for two years along with a master's degree program at the University of Idaho out in Moscow, Idaho. Uh, And so I packed up all my stuff after I graduated from college and moved out west. I was able to get funding from being a teaching assistant and was able to kind of defer my decision on whether I wanted to go, you know, into politics or nonprofit work or, you know, if I wanted to continue in academia. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the work you did as a teaching assistant, because I feel like you've had really great experience there. And we might want to boost that experience up a little bit more on your resume and really position it as the job that it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was a teaching assistant for mostly undergraduate uh, first and second level courses in sociology and anthropology. And I was in charge of a lot of the grading and office hours and occasionally teaching alongside the professors. And I was really the, the one who students were supposed to come to when they had questions and when they had issues. So a lot of my time was spent one on one tutoring and mentoring uh, the undergraduate students who are a part of the program. And that was honestly some of the hardest work I've ever done, I think. Yeah. Uh, Just trying to cater to and tailor everything to different students' needs. Uh, But it was also super rewarding because I remember I had one student who was actually an athlete and he had been struggling a little bit and it wasn't for lack of understanding you know he just didn't have a lot of time to fully engage and so he came to my office hours every week and it was just so exciting when his final he took his final and he got um he ended up passing with 
a really good grade and I remember handing him his exam back and his face just like lit up and he started to cry and oh. I started to cry. Oh my gosh. Like, oh my gosh. I was like, this is, this is a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, but you, you learn so yeah. much about interpersonal communications when you're a teacher, especially with the undergrads. You know, here mm-hmm. you've got people who are out in the world, independent from their families for the first time. So the interpersonal stuff can just be all over the place. So that's really great experience. And you're going to have to put that forward, too, because managing mm-hmm. people, dealing with people at any job, that's half the battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems pretty true. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me then, so you finish your graduate degree and you decide to come to Chicago. So what was, Mm -hmm. what was your decision there? What were you thinking you were going to do when you came to Chicago? Yeah. So I'm originally from Michigan. Part of it was a desire to be closer to home. Uh, But the reason I chose Chicago is because of the theater and comedy scene here in the city. And, um, a lot of my friends from University of Idaho who are artists moved here. And so I kind of followed the pack a little bit. Sure. Uh, but I also came here with the intention to work more on performance and to work on my acting skills and to basically be in an artistic community and in a city that really promotes that community and uplifts comedians and actors and performers in a really unique way, I think. So the bulk of my choice. I think you're absolutely right. So I did grow up in Chicago and spent my 20s in Lincoln Park. And I know that. Yeah, I know that scene well. So you are definitely in a place that supports that creative type. So what is your hope then for work? You know, how do you Mm -hmm. want to create a career where you have the balance and flexibility you need to pursue all your creative pursuits, but that you are, you know, feeling rewarded at work, you're feeling valued, you're getting compensated um, to live your life in Chicago, which is not cheap. So what are your thoughts about how that might turn out? I have really just been trying to find a balance of making sure that I have the money to uh, live in Chicago because it is, as you as you mentioned, quite expensive. But yeah. Um, ideally, I would love to work with people, work with college students. Uh, I'd love to do something where I can communicate with people and have that interpersonal interaction, I think, in in the workplace. And um, I think at this point, I'm sort of in the like, you know what, I'll figure it out, like I'll bloom where I'm planted yeah, <laughs> sort of thing yeah. in terms of it's a little bit scary, right? So I have been just applying for any job that I feel like I'm even remotely qualified for. So it has been kind of tough to keep that in mind in terms of balancing what I actually want to do and where I want my life to be. Because eventually I would like to be a full-time podcaster and performer, but I know that that's just not a realistic goal at this point. (laughs) So Well, not um, yet. Not yet. Not so yet. All in good yeah, time. Not yet. Definitely you know, a realistic goal long term, I think. Yeah. And Chicago is a great place for that. And it's good that you're balanced, that you know that you have to, like I said, pay the bills. Um, but you want mm-hmm. to have that flexibility and that creative time. You want to be able to clock out at five o'clock and still have enough energy to put into your pursuit, you know, Mm -hmm. so you want to be at the Mm -hmm. right place. You mentioned university, and I think that's a real opportunity because Chicago has so many universities right there downtown. Have you sort Mm -hmm. of honed in on those places? Yeah, so I applied for a few positions back in the spring 
with places like DePaul and Columbia and Northwestern. And Mm -hmm. a lot of those were the positions where they're like, okay, we're actually going to put our full-time hiring on hold. Ah, So um, I think a lot of universities have been doing temp positions. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think even Northwestern has like contact tracing jobs specifically for university Mm -hmm. uh, students and workers. And so I've, applied to some of those and just like haven't heard back yet. But that is definitely a big focus for me. You know, you have also freelanced a lot to date. How did you get Mm -hmm. those freelance jobs? And and is there a way to keep reconnecting with those people? So that way, maybe you have a couple of things happening. You know, is it Mm -hmm. possible that you could have a portfolio type career where you have this one freelance gig and this other part time gig and something else that you do every once in a while? So it adds up to enough. Some of the people that I got in contact with, it was through family members, through friends, uh, through old positions that I held at other workplaces. I am quite lucky that a lot of my freelance work has come just by word of mouth. Hey, that's um, the way that's the way it works. And it works that way for the permanent jobs, too. I mean, if mm-hmm. I look at all of the jobs that I've had in my career, I can only think of one that was an ad. The rest came from contacts, whether I was looking or I wasn't looking and someone knocked on my door. So I think you keep working that network and make sure you come back to people and come back Mm -hmm. in a a targeted way because I have seen your resume and you do have a variety of skills all all over the Mm -hmm. place. But maybe you talk to this person about some of the the payroll and the data work that you do. But then you Mm -hmm. talk to this person about the social media skills that you do, you know, sort of try to hone in on what they might need and what you have to offer. When I look at my skills section on my resume, I'm yeah. like, is that is that too much? It's a lot. Like, if yeah. you have a lot, I mean, that's a great point. What you could do is have two or three different resumes or, you know, mm-hmm. tweak it a little bit based on that job, you know, because yeah. more people are going to be interested in your social media skills, but this other group might not. So I would feel free to keep honing that resume and having maybe two different versions and mm-hmm. try to focus in on the things that you think that they're looking for. At that time, Mm -hmm. one way of looking at it, too, is dividing up your list of how you apply for jobs. There is certainly the reactive way. You know, you go on to Indeed, you go on to the job sites and you apply for a few that seem interesting. Then Mm -hmm. there is the proactive list. You know, if you're a mission based uh, person that you, you know, you have strong values and you're really into, you know, uh, freedom of speech or women's rights or whatever it is, you can then try to target a couple of companies that are really in line with who you are and then really double down on finding someone there. I mean, have you thought about some of the places where you would just love to work? Yeah, yeah, actually. Jackbox Games mm-hmm. is located in Chicago and they are seriously one of the coolest companies and their mission is all about connecting people. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I grew up playing games with my family every, every day it feels like. So I'm, I am very play oriented. And so whenever they've been hiring writers or coders or anything, cause I've been dabbling in coding, I know a little bit of script, but anyways, yeah, no. So that, that was my immediate thought was, I was like, Oh, I would love to work for them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, take, so. take this a step further then. Mm-hmm. Do you know anyone there yet? I don't yet. Okay. So then I would keep working on that good old fashioned six degrees of separation and try to think mm-hmm. like, 
Who do you know that works in gaming at all? Who do you know, mm-hmm. you know, start talking to people about that and just ask them. And this is where you really need to work your own alumni network. And I know they might not mm-hmm. all be together, but online. I don't know what your two universities, both your bachelor's and your grad, you know, what mm-hmm. type of platforms do they have? Because when you're on LinkedIn, one of the nice things that LinkedIn will do is when it promotes a job to you, it'll say, hey, three other alums from DePaul University work there. So I think if you just keep, you start working your network and really trying to find friends of friends of friends, and then one day mm-hmm. if you can find one person that works there, at least a conversation can then start. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. I I used to have a LinkedIn and then ah. I, I kind of missed the boat on when everyone else got on LinkedIn. <laughs> it's still there. It's and still then, there. Yeah. It's like a drinking yeah. game right yeah. now. If I had a, a shot for every time we use the term LinkedIn, I'd be drunk on the floor mm-hmm. in five minutes because everyone oh is gosh. there right now. And there's, you, can, you can join. There's still time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would get yeah. back on it. And that's a way for them to find you. And that's a way for you to, you know, stay connected with other people, see what's happening, and then use your social media to follow this gaming company. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram, see what else they've got going on. And then maybe one day, maybe you direct message someone, you know, maybe you comment on one of their posts, maybe you engage somehow in social media with a human that way. It's not creepy, you know, but it's just something Mm -hmm. that you connect with. And eventually something will start to connect. I'm pretty active on social media. Yeah. I just have, yeah, again, I missed the boat on LinkedIn, so I'll have to get that profile back up and running. Yeah, that, that's a, that's an easy one to add there. And let's talk about social media because I think, you know, you have a skill that I really don't. And so many companies right now have had to go online to sell their services, to connect with their audiences and their, their consumers because of the pandemic. And they have been scrambling to add people who know social media. So is that something that you could do? Because you could also do that remotely. And that is something that I have talked to people and heard from people that there's an increase in demand for social media skills. Yeah. Yeah. I actually used to work as a social media sort of not manager because they were still getting the program up and running, Mm -hmm. but I was their point person for social media for a while for Eagle V Corporation back in 2014. Mm -hmm. And then once I went to grad school, I had to slow down on that. And then the mortgage firm that I mentioned earlier, I worked as um, a marketing and social media focused person for them for a little bit. So it's definitely something that I have a few years of experience in and I have my own pretty active presence on social media. So I feel pretty savvy with it. I just never think about, I, I don't often think about, I'm trying to think of the word, not monetize, but, um, to use that as your, can, as your career, as a skill that, yeah. yeah oh, it totally yeah, is. I, I don't, yeah, I think it's just so ingrained in my head, right, as like a zillennial or whatever that I sort of <laughs> just kind of, it's like it's the fun, communicative way to hang out with my friends. There I, are I sometimes, baby yeah. boomer officers out there. There are Gen Xers out there mm-hmm. who don't have a handle on it. And if you go back to one of our episodes, Success, where we talked to Sarah, there was a job created entirely because of the pandemic for social media. So that is a skill mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't have. So you might want to think about positioning yourself that way and applying for some of those jobs. And again, that's where you could find some very flexible gig work in social mm-hmm. media that you're handling the 
social media for a company. They could be in Idaho. They could be in Florida. They could be halfway around the world. But because it's social media, you can do it remotely where you are. And it might also have some of the flexibility that you need to make sure that you've got the mental space to continue to pursue your creative pursuits. All things that I don't necessarily think about. So that's a lot to chew on and a lot for me to think about and work on. Yeah. Well, what about your network? Are you in a place where a lot of your other friends are also looking or are you the only one? Because of the podcast, I've been trying to broaden my network in terms of podcasters and other people who, um, since my podcast is focused on ADHD, other people who have ADHD and are neurodivergent, you know, connecting Mm -hmm. with them on social media. So that's been a big focus in terms of growing my network, but it hasn't necessarily been, again, with my job search as much as it's been with the podcast. Well, and it's just a way to keep connected because you might have a friend that you talk to a few times a year. They just don't know that you're looking. So Mm -hmm. it's a matter of just reconnecting with people every once in a while and letting them know what's going on. Maybe you show them your resume. Say, hey, I just updated my resume. What do you think? Here's what I'm looking for. Just it's And the reason I ask, too, about your network is sometimes we need to get together with other people. You know, I'm an extrovert. I don't know where you fall into that. But, you know, for me, I need those other people to help Mm -hmm. keep me going. And sometimes that's what's important is someone else that you're talking to to remind you, oh, yeah, I was going to finish my LinkedIn profile or, oh, yeah, I was going to reach out to my old college roommate, you know, just to keep that conversation going and having it positive and moving forward. Mm -hmm. That's actually a great idea. I'm going to write that down. There you go. <laughs> of like get in-person accountability because I do yes. live with a roommate. So Honestly, I'll tell you a little secret. My podcast is called Job Talk Weekly. Well, and I wrote the word weekly on there. I made that part of the title so that mm. I would keep in motion and that it would inspire me to always have something dropped. And we just started this summer. And sure enough, every week I've had a new episode. If I didn't have the weekly out there, it's kind of easy for something like that to just say, well, I'll do it next week. I'll do it tomorrow. And then it dissipates. So whatever you need to build in the accountability, do that. It's never a question of whether I want to do things. It's that I don't remember to do things. So that's a that's a great piece of advice to just make sure I tell somebody else what I want to do so that they can help remind me and keep me accountable. So that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really great. hard because, you know, when you're at a job, you have deadlines, right? You need to get mm-hmm. a report to your manager by Thursday. So you're going to go ahead and do that. But looking for a job is just kind of open-ended. Like you want it ASAP. Mm-hmm. But there's still not an exact thing that you have to do. So you have to force yourself to, you know, that accountability, sort of give yourself some tasks, but be reasonable about it. Don't overwhelm Mm -hmm. yourself that you've got to do all of it on Friday. Um, You know, pace it out. Give yourself a lot of credit and, you know, try to stay positive. I mean, that's a really big part of it right now. And that's another reason Mm -hmm. I ask how you're networking with your friends, because we need to boost each other up. Because it is a really Mm -hmm. extraordinary time. You know, the job market, you know, all of a sudden we add a million jobs and then we lose a million jobs. So it's just so hard to get our arms around it. Staying positive Mm -hmm. in in whatever way that works for you is going to be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly that positivity and not necessarily even positivity, right, but just being connected with other people and remaining hopeful, yeah. whether it's a, a big thing or a small thing, that's just so important right now. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the podcast and what you're hoping to gain from that. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's called Or Learn Parkour, and it's a podcast about ADHD by two people who have ADHD, and that's me and my roommate. Uh, we both got diagnosed pretty late in our lives with adult ADHD, uh, and we realized that a lot of advice for living with ADHD is for children. Yeah. And me- yeah, yeah, which is awesome and great, and I'm so glad that those resources are available. Uh, but we basically wanted to create a community through a podcast where we can sort of crowdsource ideas. Uh, our plan is to have people on the podcast uh, for interviews just to see how other creators and other artists with ADHD do their work and what kind of tips and tricks they've got. Uh, we also do our own research and share our own tips and hacks for you know the ADHD brain as an adult especially as a young adult uh, in in the world that we're in right now. So it's really focused on helping people who have ADHD or have, who have loved ones who have ADHD. And at the very least, we want it to just be a community for neurodivergent people to share their stories and feel heard and seen while also having a couple of laughs. Well, that's good because that also is giving you an outlet during this time. So that way mm-hmm. you're not obsessed about looking for a job. So it sounds like that also Mm -hmm. sort of suits that need. On the note of ADHD, I was wondering if you had any insight. I I don't want that to be a deterrent. Um, And I know legally people can't not hire (laughs) based on that. But I I worry about the, I don't know, the the implications or the stigmas that might come along with that. So I was wondering if you had any insight as to how to navigate that as a job seeker with ADHD. So has the concept of ADHD come up in your job search with interviewers before? I think I'm mostly just nervous that having a podcast about ADHD is oh. going to, you know, sort of consistently point to that. I see I that they're going to yeah. Google so. search you because that's that's what we do. When a recruiter sees mm-hmm. a resume, they see, oh, Lex Brown is applying for this job. Let me Google search her to learn about her and they'll find your podcast. Look, mm-hmm. I think ADHD is a superpower. And yes, I am biased because I have two girls with that diagnosis. I think the right people will understand that this is a real talent, that this is a real skill that people bring to it because there is such passion and enthusiasm that people with ADHD bring to the things that they really love. And Mm -hmm. like you say, you know, you can really hyper-focus on something. There are tremendous traits there. And so I think, for one, you need to give yourself real credit for already crafting a life that really suits your ADHD. You know, you're a Mm -hmm. creative person. You've done some freelance. You know, you studied anthropology where you could learn about different things and and sort of go all over the place and discover. So you've already crafted that life. So your, your body, mind and soul did it even though you weren't necessarily diagnosed with it, you know, when you were a teenager mm-hmm. or when you were making college choices. And so I would just remind yourself that it's a real strength. I wouldn't worry so much about a recruiter saying, oh, she's got ADHD, I'm not going to hire her. Um, unless they're hiring you for like a job where you have to sit there and write for eight hours straight or to right, do a menial right. task. So you're going to be smart enough to not apply for a job where you have to do a menial task for eight hours straight. Oh, thank you so much. That's all so helpful. Thanks for joining us. It was great talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Job Talk Weekly. Get your questions answered by visiting our website 
That's JobTalkWeekly.com. And we'd love it if you would please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can find Job Talk Weekly on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diana Brunello-Leary. See you next time.